Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Don Callahan talking UNC football recruiting. Don, it is Super Bowl Sunday, but we are still here to deliver that sweet football recruiting news to the Inside Carolina podcast listeners. So, man, I appreciate you joining me this morning. Oh, you know, I'm always happy to be here with uh, John. And we have a, um absentee. Yep, unfortunately, Buck is not going to be able to join us this morning. So Don and I are going to just try to fill that void as best we can. But they are big shoes to fill, man. They are. The Sandman got them. So who, um, this is going to be interesting because most people are going to listen to this podcast after the Super Bowl. So um, who uh, who's your pick for the Super Bowl? Uh, my heart says the Rams. Brain says the Patriots just because... I mean, if you're actually gambling and putting money on it, it's hard not to go for Tom Brady in this game. So, yeah, um, I, I'm I'm definitely rooting for the Rams, um, and uh, I don't. Know, I think I know a lot of people think that the Patriots, um, Patriots are going to win this, but I think the Rams have the, have the ability to, to knock them off. I think they have so many weapons. You know, Belichick's going to do a really good job of um, taking away someone. But um, or maybe more than one um, weapon. But I think um, the Rams have so many that uh, maybe maybe they um, maybe have they have enough to to win this. Let's go ahead and start talking about football recruiting, though, Don, because this week is National Signing Day. It will the National Signing Day period begins on Wednesday for February, um, as we've discussed in many pods in the past. I feel that like the luster has definitely been taken away from this day due to the December signing day. But, you know, it still has a few big-time prospects that are going to be announcing this Wednesday. UNC is definitely in it for a couple of guys, including one four-star that we will be talking about shortly. So let's just go ahead and start there, Don, because last week we asked between ourselves and our listeners who would be our top five of the remaining prospects at UNC is still heavily recruiting. So these would be out of the guys that you announced on the Tar Tar Pit Premium Message Board that the Heels have kind of narrowed their focus to. Just in what order would we want them to become Tar Heels come National Signing Day? A wish list. A wish list, yep. And it sounds like we actually got a pretty decent response from, from the listeners for this one. Yeah, we have four for um uh listener submissions um i think i think we should right now just so people are still listening because before they turn it off on us but um next week's let's let's announce next week's uh uh top five what do you think all right that sounds good you want to do like uh the top five of the of the players who did commit to unc both during the december and february signing day periods i was thinking i think we could do that um, I was thinking so that we can kind of move into the the 2020 class. Why don't we do a um, top five wish list for the 2020 class? We did it last year, um, and I think the the parameters were they had to be recruits who UNC has offered. Otherwise, I mean, if UNC is not in it with them, you could still if UNC is offered, but UNC is not in it, you could still include them. Um, and it's just you know just a a wish list um 
that you're putting together because you never know what could happen between now and the next signing day. Yeah, that's a good idea, man. All right, let's go ahead and do it. So we'll we will turn the focus to 2020 because at, you know the the coaches definitely have, uh, which is another topic that we'll be discussing in the second part of this podcast. Um, some huge recruiting news on the 2020 front. But without further ado, Don, let's go ahead and hear from the people that gave us their list, their wish list of the remaining 2019 prospects. Yeah, and so for the for the next top five ranking and for top five rankings beyond that, to, to be able to submit it to us, either tweet at me at Don Callahan IC or message me on Inside Carolina's message board. Um, it's just Don Callahan. But um, yeah, so I'll give out. We have four submissions, which is which is good, and uh, I'll give out each one. And and John, why don't you give me just one thought on each submission? How about that? All right, let okay. me let me let me do the entire one. So we have we have Dale, who's in um, the Waxhall area, just outside of Charlotte. His number one is Darnell Wright, followed by Eugene Asante, Wisdom Asabaro, Colin Duncan, and OC Brothers. What are your thoughts? I mean, right if he was still a get is obviously the number one. But unfortunately, I, I think with him, that ship has sailed. I did not include him on my list because I didn't think it was re- it was, um, you know, that he was even remotely a person that Carolina was in for at the time. But the rest of it, um, I think that that sounds really good. Uh, definitely, you know, highlighting the, the, the linebacker position there. All right, so now we have John from Alexandria, Virginia. He goes with number one. This is in order. Asante, Asabaro, O.C. Brothers, uh, Don Chapman, and Michael Lockhart. And Chapman obviously has since committed to North Carolina. That's fine because I, th- I think we actually, we actually uh, uh, I guess, put it out there that we're going to do this top five right before Chapman actually announced. So, John, what are your thoughts on, on, on the other John? Are you guys related, by the way? <laughs> no, probably not. I think that there's you know more than the one John out there, man. Gotcha. Um, okay. But as as far as as that one goes, you know, ranking at, as a Boro number two, he is probably going to be the prospect that I think is going to have the most variety between the list because he is kind of the great unknown prospect in, in that of these remaining targets, just because of his potential there. So yeah. overall, I think that's a very solid um, ranking. All right, so now we have a Jonathan Fay, who actually I believe has contributed to every single top five that we have ever done. So he is definitely a huge fan of the podcast. So I appreciate that. He's a he's actually a coach in South Carolina. His in order are Asante, Darnell Wright. Although he puts a caveat that I don't I don't think we have any shot with him. Um, Asabaro, OC Brothers, and Colin Duncan. What are your thoughts on Jonathan's? surprised that Duncan is at the end there, but given that he included Asante and Wright, I don't have too many qualms with that. All right. And then we have Joby from outside of Winston-Salem and his top five in order are Asante, Asabaro, Lockhart, OC Brothers, and Colin Duncan. Lockhart ahead of Duncan and Brothers. That is interesting. Um, Shaking it up a little bit there. So nice one, Joby. All right. So we ready to get into ours? Yeah, I think so, man. Um, and we'll just do our our kind of usual thing where, you know, we just go back and forth. Um, I give one, you give one, and we'll kind of uh, kind of run through this um, to, you know, that way everyone can hopefully still either get 
can watch the Super Bowl or recover from the Super Bowl hangover pretty quickly. Now, before we actually do it, um, what which guys did you consider and what guys did you not consider that some of the other people might consider, just so we kind of get that out there? So I did not um, include Chapman or Wright in mine. So okay. I'm looking at the brothers, Hasaboro, Lockhart, Duncan, and Asante group. Yeah, that's exactly how I did it. I I wasn't going to include Chapman just because he committed. And then Wright, I kind of did initially, but then I was like, yeah, you know what? This is... I get that this is a wish list and everything, but um, yeah, this this is not happening at all. So yeah, the funny thing is, is if you are an Inside Carolina subscriber, you know that some of these guys are actually not going to be an option. Um, we posted an, an update late last week that um, the majority of these guys actually UNC has kind of moved on for, or they've moved on from UNC and everything. Yep, and for everyone who's who's listening who's not a member of the Tar Pit Premium Message Board, definitely subscribe to that so that way you can get that up to the minute of rank uh, recruiting information because it it is constantly changing and like you said Don there's been a lot of movement on this front. But I still think it's interesting to discuss these guys. So let's go ahead and start and I'll kick it off with my number 5 player and that was Lockhart. And um, it just came down, Don, to, to who I preferred when, when looking at, at their film and, and at the position of need. Uh, Lockhart is definitely a solid prospect. However, I think with Carolina's commitments elsewhere on, on the defensive line, um, I liked what I saw a little bit better out of other guys. And also, I think that UNC is in need of some talent infusion elsewhere along the defense, especially at linebacker. So when I worked it all out at the end, Lockhart came in at number five for me. All right. I also went with uh, Michael Lockhart. And it was a matter for me. I felt like him and Asabaro were kind of the same category. Uh, they were, you know, high ceiling, um, very, very raw uh, defensive linemen who right now look like ends, but probably will grow into defensive tackles. I think that... Uh, Alcibaro is, and I talked last week about him and just how physically impressive he looks. I think, you know, he just um, is an unbelievable talent. Um, Lockhart, it, it, kind of a different situation. He was he focused on basketball. He's from the United States. Focused from, on basketball up until this past season, and Alcibaro um, had never even seen the sport of football up until a couple of years ago, and, and and gave it a try. So, um, but I just felt like um, Alcibaro has um, more tools to work with. And had he not gone to a school that I literally had not heard of a year ago, um, which is rare um, for me, considering that the travels that I do uh, for Inside Carolina and the fact that the school is actually located in just outside. It's, it's essentially Charlotte. Um, and I, I visit Charlotte so, so much. But um, I think uh, more more schools would have paid a lot more attention to Asabara. But uh, um but yeah, Lockhart, great player, a uh, lot of good tools and everything. I just, I just like the other guys better. I mean, that is basically what it came down to me as well. So I have a feeling, Don, that that our number fours are going to be the same as well because yeah. you just talked about Azaboro. I had him at number four, just yeah. ahead of Lockhart. Yeah. So yeah, my number four was Azaboro. I basically kind of said the reasons why in my description for um, Lockhart. So. Why don't you give me your your uh, reasoning for Asabaro? 
To me, I I just think it's the intrigue as to what type of player he can be because it is rare that you see a football player above six seven, even six five, six six. You know, that's kind of almost a maximum that you see for guys um, that are out there playing on the football field. But with Azaboro, I mean, you were very complimentary of just his body size, his his potential there, Don, last week. Um, I went back and watched a little bit of, of his film. And granted, I mean, you can just tell that that the kid is raw, but I, there's just that that level of like, huh, I wonder what he can develop into that gave me a little bit of the edge over Lockhart. And I really am going to be looking forward to see how his football career pans out. It's your turn for number three, because I kind of um, combine my four and five together. <laughs> All right. Well, my number three was actually the same number three as a lot of our listener responses. And that was OC Brothers. And when it came down to, to Brothers, I just really liked his drive and, and his film. I think at the linebacker spot, he does basically everything that, that you would would want to to see um and I've, i'm just i've been very impressed with, with brothers throughout the entire recruiting process and he is number three because i have an, another linebacker ranked a little bit higher than him but overall he was just kind of that right there guy that i would love to, to see on the, the tar hill squad um so that's why i had him in that number three yeah, um, this is going to be pretty um, anticlimactic with our list because uh, there's not going to be any sort of debate, it looks like. Because uh, I, too, had OC Brothers as my number three. Um, yeah, I, I like what he has to bring. Um, and it was just a, a situation where the two guys I have ranked higher, one also plays his position. They, um, I just like their film better. And... Uh, um, you know, so it's really not anything against OC Brothers, a uh, hard hitter, a uh, guy who plays a lot of fire, a guy that definitely can contribute to special teams. Um, but, you know, the two ahead of him, I, I liked a little bit more. So I'll just get into my number two before we uh, go to your number two. And Colin Duncan, who, um, for those who are IC subscribers, know by now that the odds of him picking UNC are slim to none uh, just because of some of the development. But with him, I, I like his film. He's a uh, DB who plays very, very physical. I love DBs who play physical because uh, you can do a lot of different things with guys like that, with blitzing and putting them in a the box and everything like that. And, uh, you know, UNC looked at him as uh, as kind of like a, a safety inside the box guy. And, I mean, he, I think he would have fit perfectly in Jay Bateman's no position defense. So, John, who's your number two? My number two is also Colin Duncan. I think this, Don, this this has got to be like the fourth or fifth time that we have just come up with the exact same list. Um, see, see, this is why we need Buck in here, because I don't think that a Buck would have would have gone exactly we need some, the same. We need some color to our rankings. I know. Uh, but, you know, it, it, just to put out there again, we do not talk about the rankings ahead of time. This is just Don and I going through, but uh, I always take it that as a positive sign of me, Dom, when I do match up with, with you because you have been covering recruiting for a lot longer than I have. <laughs> but anyways, as far as Colin Duncan though, uh, goes, yeah, I, I was really hoping that the Tarzels would be able to pull that one off. Unfortunately, as you mentioned, it does not look like it's in the cards. I mean, Duncan is someone who is is that quote-unquote high three-star, 
And I've just been very impressed with what I've seen out of him. He is an absolute competitor at the cornerback spot. Um, six foot. I think he's a little bit shorter than that, but still he's not, you know, like one of those five, seven, five, eight guys. And it's like you said, he is just physical. I mean, he, I think you could put him almost anywhere in your secondary defense um, and really just expect him to be able to stick with a wide receiver, help out with, with run support, even possibly pick up like a, a tight end um, who's coming over the middle and really try to, to disrupt their route. So Duncan was my number two, and I was just very, very impressed with him. So let's go ahead and move on to the number one. I think everyone is going to be expecting this because he was also the number one on everyone who did not have Darnell Wright number one. But let's go ahead and do our patent drum roll, Don. You ready for this? I'm ready. All right. Asante. With Eugene, I mean, he is just someone that his film is so good. Like, it is really curious how he flew under the radar for so long. And, you know, he didn't get his first D1 scholarship or I guess Power 5 scholarship, I should say now, until his senior year in Virginia Tech got on him. I mean, Eugene, is is he absolutely is, is deserving of that four-star ranking. And the fact that the Tar Heels are in a, a recruitment sweepstakes for a four-star guy this soon to National Signing Day is huge. I think that in Jay Bateman's scheme, he is also going to be a type of player that can play that linebacker spot. He could come off the edge and really blitz. He is a do-it-all, hard-hitting linebacker. I would absolutely be thrilled if the Heels can pull this off over the Hokies. Yeah, I mean, his film is, um, of the five or six that we are considering, or seven if in the case of, um, if you include it, Don Chapman also, um, to me, I, I find it hard to anyone, even, I mean, Darnell Wright has, is going to be likely going to be the better player, you know, but, uh, Asante, I mean, you watch his film. It's, it's, it's one of those films that's just so enjoyable to watch. And there's a lot of film you watch and you're like, all right, this is good film, you know? Um, and then there's a film you put it in and you're like, man, this is just awesome to watch this kid. He's, I mean, he's literally playing like a heat seeking missile, you know, going after the ball carrier and, um, you know, reading plays and just, you know, making hard hits and just playing all over the place. I mean, you know, I love the name that he puts on his huddle film is Asante the Assassin. And I feel like that fits (laughs) the way he plays so much. Yeah, he does just love to to really track down the ball uh, carriers. He has a very quick first step, Don. He shows that he has like that fluidity where he can identify the play and react very quickly. I mean, again, with Asante number one, I think that there was a, a pretty significant gap between he and Duncan, and that's and that's coming from someone that really, really liked Duncan. But, I mean, I just think Asante would be the guy that I would want UNC to close this, this class out by far. Yes. So, well, and not only for the purposes of his ability, I mean, his, but his ability is huge. That's obviously why you want to land guys. But a huge bonus is that Virginia Tech is, up until a couple days ago, Virginia Tech um, is, you know, the team to beat. And, you know, obviously Eugene spent this past weekend officially visiting North Carolina. And by so far what I've heard, everything has gone really, really, really well. And the, the big question that everybody's going to be asking the next few days heading up until signing day is, 
was the visit enough to knock off Virginia Tech? So if, in addition to landing this this really good linebacker, this linebacker plays all over the place, you know, makes quick reads of the offense, hits the ball, ball carrier hard, flies through traffic to get to the ball carrier. In addition to all that, he you would be taking a major target away from a top rival, a rival not only in your conference but in your um, in your division of your conference in, in Virginia Tech. Yeah, that uh, that impact cannot be understated. Virginia Tech got the better of UNC in the recruitment of a certain four-star linebacker last year, so it would be really satisfying to see the Heels return the favor and swipe someone out from underneath the Hokies' nose this year. So, Don, let's go ahead and take our first commercial break. When we get back, let's talk about the 2020 class because, as I mentioned earlier, there has been some huge developments in that area. So we will discuss that right after this. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Don Callahan talking talking UNC football recruiting. So, Don, moving our focus on to the class of 2020, Mac Brown and his coaching staff have been hitting the state hard recruiting those guys. They have been visiting high schools and looking at kids both for that class and even for 2021 in some case, which is crazy, but... That's just how recruiting is nowadays. But the Tar Heels got some very positive news on the 2020 front when they got a pair of commitments last week, Don. It was started off with offensive lineman Malik McGowan. And then just on Friday, actually not, no, Saturday, um, the Tar Heels got a commitment from four-star Virginia linebacker Ethan West. Let's go in chronological order, man. So McGowan committed first. Let's talk about him. What have you seen from from the offensive lineman? Because he is certainly a big boy based upon the film that I have seen. Yeah, I mean, he's a mauler. He plays at one of the better high schools in North Carolina for producing talent. Well, actually for producing good high school teams, but also they end up producing really good talent. Charlotte Catholic High School, they won the state championship this year and last year. And I can't remember if this is a three-peak or just a two-peak, but they have a very solid system there. Even though their longtime coach, Jim Odo, retired a few years ago, they basically run the same system with the same coaches. Once that coach retired, you know, they just promote it within to kind of fill in the gaps. So they have a lot of consistency in that program. But Malik is a guy that, you know, he's a mauler and he plays left tackle because that's where they want their best offense alignment. But because of his size, 6'3", about 330 pounds. And as I said, he just creates a lot of space with his movement and his size and everything. At North Carolina, he'll play a guard position where they'll take advantage of his ability to create lanes for the running back. And now it was also a big deal with McGowan because he committed to the staff after he had just gotten done with a NC State junior day. So he was clearly someone that the Wolfpack were also very much after in the 2020 class, Don. So I was also pleased to see that uh, Mac Brown and his staff were able to steal someone out from NC State and go ahead and lock him down. Yeah, and so what the scenario was, was that NC State had its big junior day and um, you know, obviously all their top targets, um, particularly in state were, were going to be there or were there and North Carolina just tried to, tried to, I guess, uh, you know, take advantage of that because obviously if you're coming from Charlotte, you have to drive down interstate 40 past Chapel Hill. Why not just stop by for 
for 30 minutes or so. You know, what's, what, what's it, what's the harm in that? And so um, a lot of recruits ended up doing that, not just, um, not just McGowan. And so, but McGowan stopped by and from what he told me, and we'll have a story up on, uh, or probably by the time you, you hear this, you'll, um, you'll, you'll have read our story on Malik McGowan, where he kind of breaks down the situation. And um, he, he let the coaches know during that visit, they, this is where I want to go. He said that he was kind of leaning towards UNC for a while, but um, that visit just kind of sold, kind of, kind of sealed the deal for him. Um, and we actually ran a story, a post visit story on him. Um, I, I think it was like a day or two before he committed. So that kind of, if you, if you read it in hindsight, you, it, it kind of like, oh man, all this stuff starts to make sense. Now he kind of, um, played a pretty good poker hand in that story. So it doesn't come out and say, Oh, I'm going to commit North Carolina soon. It, it, but it definitely uh, paints a very positive picture for, for North Carolina with him. But, um, but yeah, so he decided, Hey, and, and actually he wanted to commit on his birthday, which is later this month. And he told me, and this is all in the, in the story that we're going to run that um, he just couldn't wait. He couldn't wait for his birthday, even though it was less than 30 days away. He couldn't wait wanted to kind of get it out there that, Hey, you know, I'm a Tar Heel and I'm part of this, uh, this, this what's going to be a very good class for 2020. Because I mean, if you just look at the, the four that UNC has so far, I mean, these are four quality uh, verbal commitments. Well, and I think it's also interesting to point out that McGowan being from Charlotte, you know, he joins Elijah Burris and, and Rosemond Sinclair that they are also in that kind of greater Charlotte area, which just really, again, shows that Mac Brown is heavily prioritizing that area, Don, because that is the hotbed of football talent in the state right now. I mean, Raleigh has a lot of talent as well, and there are some really good players out there around like Greensboro, Winston-Salem. Um, and just in, you know, kind of smaller pockets throughout the state. But by far, that greater Charlotte area, that is where the majority of coaches are going to come into North Carolina to recruit guys, both you know, locally in the South and nationally. And so I think it is also very good news that Mac Brown has seemingly made inroads there. Now, for McGowan, just real quick, Don, before we move on to Ethan West, if you were going to project forward a little bit, where do you kind of see him in the North Carolina rankings for prospects inside of, of the Tar Heel State? Is he like someone that's like a top 25 type guy or is he someone who could potentially be looking at like top 15, top 10? I think that he's a kind of on that that bubbled top 25 guy. Um, I, I don't think he's a top 15 guy. Uh, because he's he's and it's hard for his position. You don't see a lot of unless you're just unbelievable, um, unbelievable guard. You don't see a lot of guard prospects ranked that high. So I think he's kind of like a bubble top twenty five guy right now. But that's again, that's nothing against him. It's just you know you're going to you know, a, a a receiver of the same caliber. You're going to it's going to be more important to you um, than an offensive guard. All right, so let's move on to four-star linebacker Ethan West. As, as we currently stand today, Don, he is the sole member of the of the Tar Heels 2020 class that is not from North Carolina. And this one came completely out of the blue to me. I mean, I know that there are some reports trickling out that uh, West was kind of looking at the at the heels. He 
He was intrigued by them. Uh, and it sounded like he had some positive things to say. But then to go ahead and pull the trigger and commit on Saturday, you know, am I correct is, is when I felt that this was very much kind of a surprise, just like, hey, wow, did they got a commitment from from this guy already? Yes. And here's the situation. So on, I believe it was Thursday or, or maybe it was Friday, he actually visited North Carolina. So that was kind of the, I guess, the just just like with McGowan, that was the, the, the I guess, um, the force that 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 made the the commitment happen. The thing with him was, I mean, he had offers from, I mean, you name it, um, and he's made a bunch of visits. So it was it was kind of, I mean, he must have just fall, fell in love during the visit and just said, okay, this is where I want to be. I've been all these other places. Didn't get the feeling that I got in Chapel Hill, which is obviously what you want to happen with your with your commits. Um, you know, we actually had it set up that we we're going to go by his or in the process of setting up um, going by his school. And and to be honest, we weren't all that in a in a rush to make it happen just because the fact that we thought it was going to take a little bit longer. Not to mention, we also have some stuff going on with, uh, you know, the 2019 class this week um, that uh, yeah. most people uh, care the most about. But but, yeah, it came a little bit out of the blue, just considering all the options he had. He had just taken the visit. Um, I, I thought this was going to be something that's going to take a little bit longer and, you know, he was going to require a couple more visits before he made a decision, but he got the feeling and, and pulled the trigger. And then what type of player is UNC getting in Ethan West on? He's listed as an inside linebacker. His measurements just on his recruiting profile look really good where he is 6'4", 225. However, we all know that those measurements can be a little bit inaccurate sometimes. But just from what you have seen, how would you describe West's game? He's versatile. And the one thing about him is he has been a starter for his high school since his freshman year. But during those three years, he's played just about every skill position imaginable. So, I mean, he's very, very versatile. As you mentioned, yes, we always have to take a height and weight with a grain of salt. But 6'4", 225, if he's 6'3", you know, 200, I mean, it's, it's still some good measurables right there. But, I mean, he's the type of guy who, despite that size, I mean, he, he can cover a slot corner. He can plug up the middle. He can rush the passer. I think his versatility is key because once you know that he's played receiver, he's played safety, he's done this, he's done that, and then you watch his film, you could kind of see that versatility and see how you know the defensive coordinator can do a lot of different things with him because of that versatility. And when we're talking about Jay Bateman's no position defense, the majority of the players need to have that versatility in order for that no position defense to function. And so Ethan West is the poster boy for that. And I think it's it's interesting there, Don, that you mentioned that West, you know, played some some secondary as well, safety. And I completely agree with you. I think in in the type of system that Coach Jay Bateman is is running, and even what you're seeing kind of throughout football, both in the pro level and and the college level, having guys who are capable of just shifting around and and really being able to to utilize different formations without having to make subs. That seems to be the way that the defenses are going nowadays, and you know I think that Tar Heel fans can can expect to see that that you know maybe this this coaching staff is really trying to highlight that versatility, and you may see you know some guys that are recruited that maybe don't fit with traditional norms and expectations, but to me I think that's just you know the way that the sport is evolving right now. 
Yeah, and this is the beauty of Ethan West is that while he has all he's, he's extremely versatile, he also is talented enough and is such a um such a really good prospect at the inside linebacker position that all these defenses that run traditional 3-4s uh 4-3 defenses they want him because they know that they could plug him in very easily and just say, hey, just focus on inside linebacker. But then you have a coach like Jay Bateman, and he can, you know, he looks obviously at um, Ethan West and is like, we definitely want him because we can have him, we can move him all around and have him do a bunch of different things. And that's exactly what we're looking for. So, um, I mean, he's, he's a guy, he's definitely a huge steal because other teams definitely wanted him. All right, Don. Well, let's go ahead and real quick, man, because this is going to be our final podcast before National Signing Day. Let's go ahead and just cover that real quick, Don. Does Inside Carolina plan to be at any announcements as of right now for the big day on Wednesday? We are currently planning the, the as I said earlier, if, if uh, you're an Inside, Inside Carolina subscriber, and saw our um, countdown to sign day scoop that we've been doing every week since I think the beginning of January. We might have done one in, in December. I can't remember. But uh, um, the two targets, uh, UNC targets that we are monitoring right now, Asante, Eugene Asante, that we've been talking about a bunch, and Wisdom Asabaro, those two inside Carolina tentatively plans to be at their announcements and we're, we're working on um, details for, for such. Um, and we'll be following what's, what's transpiring with those two recruits in the next few days. Probably won't be a whole lot, you know, considering we're so close to signing day, but uh, those are the, those are the announcements that we plan on being on. So definitely look, you know, Make sure you are visiting Inside Carolina as much as possible because we'll have updates on times and locations of these announcements. You know what's going on, what were the UNC's chances, and all of that in, in the coming days for sure. Well, and if you're in the kind of uh, Chapel Hill area, you can also go to the Hickory Tavern and actually participate in the in the Inside Carolina signing day party. Buck has been posting that on the premium message board as well, but that is open to everybody. Um, even if you're not an actual subscriber to Inside Carolina, you can come by, you can uh, see the man, the myth, the legend, Buck Sanders himself, and just meet a bunch of the other people that are in the IC community. It's always a great time, so I highly recommend that. And Don, unless if you had anything else, man, I think we can go ahead and wrap this one up, buddy. Oh, no, I'm with you. I have so much cleaning I have to do and preparation for Super Bowl party. So, yeah, so I'm um, I'm, I'm never eager to leave you, John, but uh, I need to. Uh, I understand. It's okay, <laughs> man. All right. Well, Don, I appreciate it again and have a good rest of the day, man. Oh, you too. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.